Hello, my comfy, cozy, witchy friends, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Comfy Cozy Witch Podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. And thank you for joining me today for episode number 23. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the fair folk or fae or fairies, fey folk. They have many, many names. And we're going to chat about that in just a little bit. But before we get into that, I want to talk about what is making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. So many of you are not going to believe this. If you've been following me on, you know, Instagram or listening to my podcast, you know that the dark moon is my favorite cycle of the moon. I love the dark moon because it's all about going within, sitting with yourself, uh, not doing a lot, but being, grounding yourself, and being introspective. And I'm constantly going, as I've talked about many times before. It's go, 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 do, 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 nonstop. And so the dark moon is a time where I give myself permission to just be. And today is a dark moon. And I know you might find it odd that I am recording a podcast on the dark moon whenever I just want to be and not do. But I will say that right now, in this moment, even if it is a dark moon, this is making me feel comfy, cozy. It's making me feel witchy. And I was called to record this podcast today. So dark moon or not, I'm still going to do it. But I will tell you what, I will be taking a nice little rest after I am finished. It's funny because I'm called to record this right now for whatever reason, but I find my eyes even getting a little bit heavy. It's, I mean, I am feeling that dark moon energy. Well, not to mention I did unfortunately have an eye doctor appointment this morning. So maybe that has something to do with it. And I have these drops in my right eye because it's been hurting me. So maybe that's why my eyes are a little bit heavy. Um, But this, this phase of the moon and working with the phase always makes me feel so comfortable because the dark moon, again, forces us to be a little bit introspective, to reflect upon what the last moon cycle brought, to reflect upon what we may want to see come to fruition in the new moon cycle. And it just allows us to be, not do. And again, although I'm doing right now, there is a lot of just being today, being mindful of the time that I spend with my son, being mindful of the time spent in my sacred space. And so today is all about soaking in that dark moon energy before I start thinking about you know, what I want to see happen in this new moon cycle. And as you know, the last few new moons, I have not done any big rituals at all. I haven't even set major intentions for the cycles. I just kind of have let let it be. And I want to remind you all, too, that that is perfectly okay. 
when there is a dark moon and then the new moon or even the full moon, you don't feel like you have to do something every single moon cycle. And that's something that, you know, people have asked me before. They've come to me the night before, you know, during a dark moon. Can you help me? How do I set new moon intentions? You don't always have to set those intentions. It doesn't have to be something that happens every single moon cycle. If you just want to sit in stillness and just be for the moon cycle and see what happens organically, then that's fine. That is perfectly okay. And I do that a lot. In fact, I probably do that more than I set the major intentions through ritual work. And this brings me to something. I know I'm, I'm talking about many different things right now. I'm just kind of talking. <laughs> that brings me to another thing. I was talking with my, my friend Rowan. You all know Rowan. And we were chatting the other day, just, you know, voice messaging back and forth. Oh, that was my, my son held up Cheetos to the window to ask if he could have some Cheetos. Sorry for that brief interruption. I had to give him a thumbs up. But anyway, I was talking to Rowan and we were talking about our practice and how there are ebbs and flows in our crafting and ebbs and flows in our witchiness. And I think right now there is this big push aesthetically from social media that as practicing witches, we need to be doing spell work and we need to be crafting all the time. But that that's not the case. I'm here to reassure some of you that if a day or two goes by and you haven't touched your altar or you haven't done anything that you feel is magical, it's okay. It's all right because sometimes the mundane overtakes the magic. And, and that's part of the balance of life. That is just part of life. Sometimes the everyday responsibilities, the work, the kids, the schoolwork, uh, the cleaning, the cooking, the whatever it is, doctor's appointments like I had today, sometimes the mundane overtakes the magical. And that's okay. And, you know... I I mentioned on one podcast before, on one episode, how it's important to touch your magic in some way every day. And I do believe, I do believe that, don't get me wrong, but that can be something really, really simple. As I mentioned before, putting, stirring something into your coffee with intention, but you do not always have to have a magical working going on. Your altar does not always have to be a working altar for you, for you. You do not have to beat yourself up if you miss a day of pulling cards. I've had people come to me before and kind of beat themselves up because they haven't done a card pull for a couple of days. Well, guess what? That happens to me too. I go a couple of days because I'm busy and I'm not able to pull a card and that's okay. Just so you don't beat yourself up over it. But as Rowan and I were talking about not crafting every day, it's something that we've noticed a lot lately again, when it comes to social media. And you know, I've talked about, especially TikTok before. And I think that that puts unneeded and unnecessary pressure on people, especially beginner witches, that they have to always be doing something with their craft. And that's okay if you're not. It is perfectly okay. 
you can sit in the everyday mundaneness a little bit, and that is all right. You will get back to your magic. You will get back to crafting. But I just wanted to remind some of you of that. So here I am, seven and a half minutes into this episode, and I guess I haven't really identified what is making me comfy, cozy, and witchy. It's a couple things. Again, it's the dark moon being very reflective. And I guess that's why it went off on a tangent. I'm being very introspective and thinking about my practice and other people coming to me and balancing the everyday with the magical and how it's okay if things are a little lopsided at times. And I just wanted to remind you all of that. But as I sit here in my office, I have my lavender and sandalwood candle going. I have my fairy altar in front of me, which we're going to talk about the fair folk today. And I am just enjoying this peaceful, calm sense of energy that I get from this dark moon. Even if I am doing just a little bit, there is an overwhelming feeling of me just needing to be. And so once I'm done recording this, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So the dark moon, setting boundaries, being okay with mundaneness, all of those things are making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. And before I go into the main segment this week, I wanted to tell you all that I have another sponsorship um, from an amazing candle company called The Selkies Cottage. It is owned by a mother and her daughter, and they approached me probably a month ago or a couple weeks back because they wanted to make a comfy, cozy witch candle. Um, because they listen to the podcast, they love the podcast and tea time, and they wanted to make a candle for me and potentially sponsor an episode. So we collaborated and made a comfy, cozy candle using what I love, um, lavender, of course, and eucalyptus. And in the candle is also some dried eucalyptus, lavender, and a full dried rose bud. And then There is rose quartz and moss agate and amethyst, and they make all of their candles inside an antique vessel of some sort. So this is in a beautiful glass bowl. They do teacups and other things. And this Comfy Cozy Witch candle just released yesterday, and they only have a couple in stock from what I understand because these are all custom made. But you can head on over to their shop. It's etsy.com slash shop slash Selkies Cottage Crafts. And if you use the code Comfy Cozy, you get 10% off your entire order. So thank you, Crystal and Karina for collaborating. This is a lot of fun. I love the candle. So before I go into talking about the fae, fair folk, fairies, what have you, I just want to say that there are so many varying sources and experts speaking about this topic, and there is so much information and history and lore and and folklore 
about the fair folk that I feel I cannot cover it in an episode. I don't even think it can be covered in a series of episodes. I recommend if you want to learn more than what I'm going to tell you today and you have an interest in learning more about the Fae, that you check out some sources. And I will tell you some of the sources that I'm going to use today. And some of the authors um, come from the from Llewellyn's, which is Guide to Fairy Folk. And that's written by um, Eden McCoy. I'm also using information from Lucy Cavendish, who I love. I have her fairy journal. I have her book of fairy magic, um, one of her decks. So... That's another resource. I'm also using Cassie. Oh, I can't remember her last name. Um, Cassie with Zend Out. She has a really great blog about this. And then my own experience. <laughs> so again, use, use the information, take the information I give you. But then if you want to learn more, run with it. And What I might believe about the Fae and the Fair Folk could be different than what other people believe. And there is no 100% right or wrong way to work with the Fae. I'm just going to give you some basic tips, some general overview, and then you can kind of discern if you want to move forward working with them or not. I'm going to tell you personally, personally, this is just me. This is just Jenny Blonde speaking. I have only had good experiences when working with fairies. And maybe a lot of that has to do with I didn't start working with them until later in my practice when I felt that I could put up good protective rituals and barriers um, and protect myself. But there are other people that I have talked to and I've heard about who have not had the best experiences with the fair folk for whatever reason. So again, I'm speaking for myself and for some of the, th- the people that I researched today. So I just wanted to give that little bit of, not warning, just, just a little bit of info before I get started. So the Fae go by a variety of names. You may hear them as Fae, Fair Folk, Fairies, spelled F-A-E-R-I-E-S, Fairies, F-A-I-R-I-E-S. And depending on where you are, they're called different things. Where you are in the world, who you talk to, what their pra- what people's practices have been, they are called different things. The size and the appearance of the fair folk will vary, again, depending on your location, depending on per- personal beliefs. And, you know, something, a thread that you see throughout your practice and throughout witchcraft, I think, comes back to your own personal beliefs. What you believe, what you've read, what traditions are in your culture, it's going to be different. So again, I urge you to research research uh, this topic in more detail. Some fairies, or some sea fairies, as 
human-sized beings while other people see them as the smaller, like, Tinkerbell-sized beings. Some people see fairies as an actual human-like form. Other just sense fairies in energy or in colors or in twinklings, or they just have a knowing. This knowing that the fair folk are near. So people see them, as I said, differently. And they are, they are a magical species of human-like beings. And that's what I think. And I believe they live in a realm alongside us, alongside our physical world. So it's alongside, but it's separate. It's separate from our physical world. Um, but it's, it's alongside where we currently live. And that realm is referred to as the other world. Sometimes it's referred to as the underworld as well. I refer it um, refer to it as the other world. And for whatever for whatever reason, I I do that. And so this space can be called the liminal or the liminal space. And I think many of you maybe have heard that term before. I don't think that I had that term on my. <laughs> my podcast about vocab words, but that is, it could be a new word for some of you. So the liminal space or liminal time is one that is in between. It's neither one thing or another. Um, It's a little like the center of the Pisces symbol. It's a third place created when two places overlap a little bit. Liminal spaces and places can include seashores, because you see where the sea meets the water, um, lakesides, groves within forests, caves, um, the fairy rings that you see, stone circles, sacred, sacred stone site. That's where two places come together. And again, it's that space that's kind of in in between <laughs> other world, in between alongside, but separate. It is, it is a little bit um, more of an abstract concept. And liminal times then include the sunrise and sunset, the old festivals that celebrate the seasons and galactic events and the Sabbaths. Big ones would be the solstices and the equinoxes and eclipses. And it's thought that fairies often come through these liminal spaces. And, you know, when when you're working with the fae, you're working within those liminal energy fields. Say liminal five times fast. I realized as I said it over and over again, I started to get uh, tongue twisted. And also, it reminds you of those words that you use so much. It doesn't sound like a word after a while. Liminal is a word. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's an overlapping space. Some people see it as an overlapping space. Some people see it as a space, you know, you're living side by side. Um, or that the fair folk live in that, the other world, and then you can cross over and interact with them through that liminal space. Again, personally, I feel that they live alongside us in a separate world, but we, through the liminal, are able to interact with them a little bit. So a lot of people, you know, we think of the fairies in storybooks and the kinder folklore and folktales 
and Peter Pan, of course, you have Tinkerbell. And I just want to say, not all fae are the same. There are benevolent fairies, and there are malevolent fairies. So fairies that are kind and want to inspire you. And there can be fairies that kind of do the opposite and are mischievous and um, don't want to inspire you in whatever way. And, you know, many people think, and I think too, that the malevolent, oh my gosh, again, say these words five times fast, those fairies are afraid I think a little bit of afraid of humankind and they take that out in the form of being a little bit rambunctious and a little mischievous because at the end of the day, the fair folk, the fae, fairies, whatever, whatever you choose to call them, um, they're keepers of the land. They're protectors of land and of nature and the rivers and they work in very close alliance with the elements. And so when I think of fae that are kind of malevolent and are not as kind, it's because humankind has kind of trampled on their space. And maybe they're not completely trusting of humans and not trusting outside of their their species because they're so connected to the earth. And right now with with global warming and the changes that the earth is going through. And just, I mean, the land that is being destroyed all across the world, I can maybe see why these protectors of the land and protectors of nature would be a little bit hesitant about working with humans. So I just wanted to say that they're not they're not all great. It's not the the fairies that you see on television and that flitter and float away. Although like that's a personification of them. And I think that that like I, I love sharing pictures of those cute winged, sparkly, glittery beings. I know that they aren't all like that. Um, and again, it's up to how each individual person sees them, what they look like to them. Um, but yeah, some can be mischievous, some might be even a little bit dangerous. But, you know, when working with the Fae, it's important to remember that just like when you are forming a relationship with a new human being, a new person in your life, you need to determine their intentions before you move forward with that relationship, before you engage in any any sort of relationship. You still need to kind of gauge their intentions. And you always want to approach anyone from the spirit realm, the other world, um, people in the limit in that liminal space. You know, you want to approach them and treat them respectfully and carefully. And you know, y- you would approach them the same way I think you would approach your spirit team, your guides, or your deities or ancestors that you work with. You are careful with them. You are respectful. You give offerings and you would do the same thing, the same exact thing with with the Fae. And so when it comes to fairy folklore, we see this most commonly in the Celtic tradition. And we see this in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, and, and they all have their own names for the, the fair folk. And yes, it pops up in other parts of the world as well. Don't get me wrong. It's just, 
Um, that idea of fairies really was popularized in in that in that area in Ireland, Wales, England, Scotland, and they're you know protectors of nature, protectors of the land. In other parts of the world, these beings aren't called fairies; they might be called something else, but they they stand for and represent something very similar: protectors of the land. Um, and even if you don't work with with the fae in your practice, you might have a similar being in your spiritual lineage or a kind of being where you currently live that is similar to a fairy and similar to the fair folk. So I want to talk, well, and let me just say, and, and those could present, present themselves as elves, tree spirits, um, gnomes, local, you know, local spirits, but all of those fall in that same that same other world category. I mean, my goodness, when I like let me pull out this book right here. When I look at my one book, when you're looking at fairies of the world, oh, it, I mean, well, of course you have brownies. They they come from Scotland. The um let's see. Genies, Gin, um Fawcett Grimm, my goodness, I can name so many. Jack Frost is in the snow fairies category. Um, Irish seawater guardians, they're from the Isle of Man. Um, so all of these are in that fairy category. There's just so many. As I said, I could go on and on. Ogres would fall in that category. Pixies, you know, that originated in Scotland. Ogres, um, well, that would be with giants as well, or Cully, they're in Italy, the Oakmen, they're in Germany and Scandinavia. So, you know, if you want to work with with beings and spirits and fairies of your land, it's good to research. And, you know, many people say and many people think that that the, the types of fairies can travel from one place to another. So fairies that may have originated, let's say, in, you know, Celtic lands, can can move or thought that they can move just like a lot I mean a lot of traditions do move as well and especially as things are passed down through oral tradition and word of mouth those traditions are taken and, and moved elsewhere uh so I want to go over let's see I'm gonna I'm just referring to my notes really quick a couple of key terms <laughs> me and my terms when it comes to fairy words and fairy worlds. So first is Awen. That's A-W-E-N. And the gift of Awen is gift of inspiration. And it flowed to humanity from the fairy realm via the intercession of the goddess Caridwen, Saradwen Caridwen. It is still the fairy's gift to give and it comes to us in many ways. The um, the Awen, it translates as flowing breath or divine breath, and it is a kind of moment of illumination, understanding, wisdom, and supreme inspiration that, again, comes from the fairy realm. Let's see. We talked about liminal space. Um, Nuifrey. So um, Nuifrey, I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's spelled N W Y. F-R-E, I think, Nui Frey. It refers to the life force, 
the energy, the kind of innate vitality and shining well-being. So pure energy that pours from some individuals, foods, places, and beings. Um, so next I have the Seelie. It's S-E-E-L-I-E. They are said to be two nations of fairies or two fairy courts. One are the Seelie, and they are thought to be good and kind and benevolent and light and helpful to humans. And the others are the Unseelie or the Unseelie, and they are the shadow to the light of the Seelie court. The ones that are said to be tricky and mistrustful of humans, the rebellious ones who do not... Um, go along to get along. And they can teach us how to do the same, um, how to be rascals <laughs> and a little bit mischievous as well. Uh, so then you have the she, that's S-I-D-H-E. And these are the people of the mound or the hill. And in Ireland, the fairies were said to live beneath the earth as part of a bargain struck with humanity. So the people of the mound were the fairies who dwelled within the crystal caverns. I almost said taverns, the crystal taverns, in the crystal caverns in the hollow hills. In Scotland, the word for fairy is um, S-I-T-H, she, pronounced the same way as she. So again, you, you know, when you talk about the fair folk and fairies, we're talking about Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Um, okay, the Thua de Dunan, they are the people, these are the people of the goddess Danu or Dana. And um, sometimes the word Danan is translated as land. They are also known as people of the land, the original inhabitants of Ireland in and the fair folk. So you will hear, you will hear a lot of um, folklore and mythology surrounding the Thuadé Dunan. And, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, I, I think I'm close. I think I'm pretty close. It's funny, you read things in your head for so long, for years, and then when you say them out loud for the first time, you're like, has the way I've been saying them the whole time, is that the right way? And you know me, like I, I like to know how to pronounce things. I want people to help me out and correct me. I am okay with that. Um, but anyway, they were the, the people from the goddess Danu and the original inhabitants of Ireland. And I think when a lot of people think of the fair folk and the fae, they're, they're thinking of this. We talked about the Unseelie and the White Heart. One of the most often mentioned fairy animals is the White Heart. And you typically see this as a stag that is pure white. This beautiful, gorgeous, pure, white as snow stag. And it is a sign that, you know, the fae might be near. And the white heart can also indicate those boundaries, the liminal spaces that I talked about between the worlds. And it's said that those who can see the white heart literally have a pure heart themselves. They're innocent and good, and they have that ability to be able to work closely with the fair folk. So I want to chat a little bit. I know I feel like I'm all over the place this episode, and and I look at my time, it's going to be a longer one. And that's okay. Ways that you can know some fair folk may be present, maybe near you, and might want to work with you. Well, first, 
they, they have a tendency to make themselves known during Beltane and going into Litha and through summer because this is, this is their season. <laughs> this is when they are out and about. It is spring. Um, there's magic in the air. <laughs> but this, this is their season because things are coming to bloom. The earth is reawakening. The grass is green. The flowers are blooming. The trees are blooming. And remember, the fair folk, they are of the earth and protectors of the earth and water and the sky and the land and the sea. And so this is when, when everything is blooming, that's when they're going to make themselves known. And they can pop up. Um, first off, they can pop up with you seeing like out of the corner of your eye, a flash or something flutter by quickly. And if your first instinct is, oh, I think that was a fairy, then guess what? It very well might be. Um, fairy rings can also pop up to let you know of their present and fairy presence. Fairy rings are, they can be small or large patches in on land, in your yard, in the grass. It could be a little ring of mushrooms, um, a little ring of of grass, like different different colored grass. It could be a little ring of types of flowers. And that lets you know that they are near. You can also be aware of them. Oh, and there goes Reese. Reese is, she's going after Gia right now. She didn't get to say hello yet today. So here she is. Um, you might have just that that knowing that they're near that I talked about before, like that inner sense that there are fair near fae near you that want to work with you. Um, when you are outside and you get that subtle hint of the subtle smell of honey and honeysuckle, when you might not even be around honeysuckle or any flowers, that can be a message that they are near. And not that they're trying to connect with you necessarily, just that they they are there, that they're present. And if you want to work with the Fae, there are some ways that you can do this. I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you quickly um, what I do. I, I do not work with the Fae all the time. Um, I work with the Fae, with the Fair Folk, typically from Beltane on through the summer. And I think I mentioned this in a post the other day. Some years I haven't worked with them at all. Some years I simply just leave out an offering. At other times I do work with them. When I am in, when I need like an extra boost of creativity or inspiration for my writing, then I will reach out to them. I was told on two different occasions by two different mediums that I have fair folk in my spirit team. So even though I might not know that I'm working or think that I'm working with, with the Fae, I have them on my team and they are here to inspire and to guide me in my creative processes. So, you know, being told that on two completely different occasions by two completely different mediums and also having a sense of that myself, you know, that was, that was kind of neat. I really appreciated that. So I do always leave an offering out for the Fae on my fairy altar. So inside, 
inside my office, my sacred space, I have a fairy altar and I talked about this before, but I always leave out a little cup of honey. Always. There's always honey there. Not that they're they're going to consume the honey. It's more just a kind gesture. I'm not expecting anything in return. It is a, if you happen to pass by, here is this offering of honey if you would like some. And, you know, I've read in a couple of sources that, and I was actually just messaging a friend about this earlier today, that the fair folk don't necessarily consume what you leave out for them. Milk and honey are typically good things to leave out for them, by the way. They don't typically consume it or necessarily consume it. They feed off of that energy that is put out, that you are putting out whenever you are offering it to them. So I just thought I would throw that out there. Outside, I have a little fairy space in the garden as well. Um, In that space, I have foxglove. Just so you know, foxglove fairies are known to be attracted to foxglove. So if you want to work with them or you just want to appreciate them, you can put foxglove out. I have foxglove. Also, foxglove is thought to keep away any of the malevolent fair folk. So it attracts the good, kind, fair folk that that want to work with us. Um, And it keeps out (laughs) the ones that are a little bit more mischievous. So I always make sure that I have foxglove out there. So that's just something to think about. Um, And I always have honey or milk out there as well. Um, I just had to snap at my son because I don't know if you can hear in the background, he has his keyboard going and it's really high pitched. I hope it doesn't come off in this recording. But outside, I also leave something, milk or honey again. And you want to be sure whatever you leave for the fae, it is something that is not toxic because they're protectors of the land, all the creatures of the land, the animals. So whatever animals happen to come by honey or milk and they have a little bit, they're, they're not going to get sick. It's, not, it's nothing that it's toxic. So you want to be very careful with what you are offering. Okay, so those are just things that I do and a little bit of background of why I do those things. Um, so some things that you can do if you want to connect with them. First, you can prepare a fairy offering uh, on your altar at home or out in nature. And I think this is the easiest way to start working with them. It's, you know, just opening yourself up to the potential of learning from them. So leaving, as I said before, honey or milk or some flowers or doing something that cleans up the area that tidies it, um, that they see this as an offering. So it's less about attracting the fae in, but creating a safe place for them and a safe place, an inviting place for you to maybe maybe work with them or just meet them. Um, so you can also, oh, so to attract them, another thing are little sweet, like fruit, sweet fruit and, um, like sweet fruits and sweet, anything sweet nectars that come from nature and some herbs that they like are thyme, yarrow, heather, and rosemary, which you can easily find, or you can easily grow. 
And, you know, a lot of people will will put like the little fairy houses or the little toadstools, like the little mushrooms. And I love, I love all of that. So I do that as well. Um, whether or not the fae appreciate that, I, it's worked for me in the past. So that's what I do. So all those cute and little tiny things um, too. Another way that you can begin uh, working with the fae is to form a relationship with your your natural surroundings and get out in nature because our lives distract us from the magic that is all around us and distract us from our uh, our fun magical worlds that we want to connect with and so getting out in nature can really help you connect with the land around you and connect with the spirits of the land which include of course fairies, elves, gnomes, and other things as well. Um, But it's important to connect with nature on a pretty regular basis. And this could be easy, like going for a nature walk outside, just being more aware of the ebbs and flows of the seasons, touching the ground, working in your garden, taking your, your socks and shoes off, and just putting your feet in the earth. These are all ways that you can connect to the earth which in turn then helps you become more in tune with the fair folk. And then of course, while you're connecting with the earth, try setting an intention to try to notice the spirits of the land and notice any hints of fair folk um, that you can. And you'd be surprised because you might eventually start seeing little Um, bursts of color or flashes or shadows of fair folk out of the corner of your eye when you're out in nature. Um, Maybe you hear something, maybe you smell something, your sensations are heightened. I will tell you when we moved here, remember it's been about a year and a half, the second hike that I went on, because we are, I mean, near mountains everywhere, the second hike that I went on, I I, I spotted them. And it's funny because my son talks about whenever he spotted a fairy in our yard as well. And I always love hearing when, when kids have stories about that. It's just so much fun. Another way you can connect. Okay, moving on because this is going to be a long episode. Ah! Another way to connect is through meditation. You know, I always come back to meditation because I love meditating. And by the way, I just hit... 365 straight days of meditating on my favorite Insight Timer app. Even though I've been meditating for many years, it was just cool to see that benchmark hit. But moving on. So meditation. This is a really great way to work with the fair folk. This is a way that I like to work with them. Not only do I leave out my offerings, but I will also do some guided meditations. You can You can find them on Insight Timer. There are other apps you could find the guided meditations. But just sitting outside in nature, if you have a fairy garden or if you sit in front of your fairy altar, um, these are great ways. And and just sitting and and breathing and thinking of the fair folk, these are great ways to connect with them as well. Um, So yes, those are ways that you can connect. So I'm trying to think what of anything else that I want to touch upon, because I know this is just a very general overview. Um, And I didn't get into like major specifics because there are books out there to do this. So I want to say again, 
A lot of the information today came from The Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk, The Book of Fairy Magic by Lucy Cavendish and Serena um, Keneally. I don't think it's Connolly. Um, the Sabbath's Almanac for this year, actually. Lucy Cavendish's Fairy Blessing cards, which I just received from a friend, which was so nice. And from Cassie Yule, that's her last name, Cassie Yule on Zend Out. And then Jenny Blonde <laughs> from the Comfy Cozy Wish podcast, because I just talk about my own personal practice. Um, but there are a number of decks of Oracle card decks out there that can help you connect and help you learn about different types of fairies and land spirits as well. So some of those are the fairy blessing cards, the fairy magic cards. I have the Oracle of the Fairies by Karen Kay, I believe. I also have Forest Fae, which was just put out recently by Rockpool Publishing. I believe they're an Australian publisher. But those are also good sources because as you are pulling a daily card, you are learning then about the different types of fair folk. Um, so if you have any questions or, you know, want a recommendation, I would say start with those books. Oh, another really good one that I've gotten great information about the fair folk is Green Witchcraft 4. I believe there's five books in that series. Green Witchcraft 4 really touches upon the, the um, fair folk and the author has a lot of really great in, information. She does warn you heavily before working with the fae. Um, so keep that in mind. And again, everybody's practice is different. Everybody has varying opinions and experiences when working with the fae. Some have had positive, like me, experiences. Others have not been so positive. Oh, and then I'm walking over here now. That's why you're going to hear a little muffling. Another great book is um, Celtic Traditions by Serona Knight, and that is Druids, Fairies, and Wiccan Rituals. So you can find great information about fairies in there as well. And as you noticed, I jumped all over the place this episode saying fae, fair folk, fairies, because they are called so many different things. Personally, I have a tendency to call them fair folk. I don't know why that has just stuck for me, <laughs> um, but that's just how I am. So I hope that this was a nice overview. I hope that you took some information and you can run with it and you can do your research and you can read, 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 because that's what I've done when it comes to, well, everything, everything in my practice, because you know, I always come back to read, 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 learn as much as you can. Yes, listen to podcasts, but then listen to um, experts, I should say experts as well who have like devoted their lives to researching some of these topics. And that's why I gave you those book titles. So I'm going to go into the card pool next. And of course, I'm going to pull from one of my fairy decks. Okay, so I am using for the card pool of the week, the Fairy Blessing cards by Lucy Cavendish that... Um, were actually just sent to me recently. And I have read a number of Lucy Cavendish's books on the fair folk. 
And um, I have her journal, like I said before, which is a beautiful journal I love so much that I haven't written much in because I'm afraid I'm going to ruin it. And I know I need to just write in it like I do with my other, what, 20 (laughs) blank journals I have sitting around and blank notebooks. But I always like Lucy Cavendish's um, information about just different magical creatures. She writes about mermaids as well. I'm, I do not work with um, the merfolk and mermaids as much. Um, I've read about them, but I am more connected to the fair folk. But anyway, Lucy Cavendish worked with Amy Brown to come up with the fairy blessing cards, which are just really lovely, really beautiful oracle cards. I'm going to pull from that deck today. So here we go. All right. Faye wants to step forward. Flip it over. Okay. We have, oh, this is magical. A blessing of elf locks. This is a term I didn't actually talk about. Elf locks. Oh, so elf locks. This is another invitation or way, I should say, way to know that the fae or fair folk or a fairy wants to work with you or they just want to make their presence known. Um, the elf locks, they're whenever, okay, so when you wake up from slumber or a kid does and like your hair gets kind of knotted up a little bit and it almost looks like it's braided or it's like t- and, and even a tangled <laughs> but neat mess. I don't know how to describe it. Um, it said that there were dreams of fairies and that the fae had visited you in your sleep. So when you wake up and you have like those little tangles that the fairies themselves have put them in your hair um, and it is a sign that they want to work with you and that they want their presence known and that you should start looking for their signs. So I love that this is the card that came up. So let's see. Let me see what the book has to say. Okay. So the gift of elf locks is the gift of the fairies presence being made known in your life. See, they want to be known in days gone by. People who woke with tangled hair from dreams of fairies were said to have been visited by the fae in their sleep, their hair tangled by the fairies themselves. Okay, so this one says the hair tangled. Um, I have also read, you know, it's like a little, a little tiny braid, but a messy, very messy one. So I guess tangled, we'll go with tangled. Um, And horses in the field who'd been ridden by the fae at night would be found with mysterious plates and locks tangled with flowers. The blessing of the elf locks, therefore, is the gift of the fairy's presence made tangible in your life. This could take the form of small gifts and offerings from the fae or the appearance and disappearance of small objects in your home if you have invited the fairy into the home. And it's interesting that they mention this about the appearance and disappearance of small objects because that's something that you hear about when when people have encountered mischievous, <laughs> mischievous little fair folk and fae that they're, you know, trying to trick them. Oftentimes it is the fae just wanting, this is what I believe. Again, this is just what I think. Um, the fae wanting their presence known and just by setting out a little offering for them can appease them or just working in nature can appease them and your belonging can easily reappear. Um, 
I think sometimes too, people might mistake, and again, this is just me speaking, might mistake the mischievous fair folk, you know, which is from what I've encountered more innocent in nature to more serious, um, not so nice spirits trying to make their presence known and trying to work with them. Um, oh, and you want to know what's really, really funny. Oh my goodness. As I was just talking about that little section and I wasn't going to say it right away, but I decided to, when I was talking about making the, the, the faithful, like the fair, fair folk known out of the corner of my eye, no kidding. I had this little, like there was a little flitter, like this like deep purple little flitter. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I have fairies on my mind. Not sure. It is often said that the fairies steal objects or play tricks, but many find it is rarely so. Like I said, it's more than an object. Okay, so this this person says it's more than an object requires cleansing and will be returned to you when it is clear once again or its work has been done in other realms. So to be blessed in this way is to have evidence of their presence, to know for sure that they are here with you and within the world. Yeah, little items going missing like that. Not to do great harm, just to let them like, hey, I want to be known. I'm here. Um, And when we've had that experience, we are forever changed. For we know now that what many think of as unreal is as true and real as sunshine, flowers, clean water, and the smiles of children. The Elf Locks blessing, so the card that was pulled for you all today, is a blessing of the proof of their presence. That is really that is really neat um, that that is the card that was pulled, that I happened to pull today to let you know that, that they're real <laughs> and they do want their, their presence known. My son is gesturing to me again. Yes, you may play your game. Okay. I was telling him, like nodding, like yes, and like moving my thumb like it was on a joystick, you know, like a game console thing. He didn't get the hint. All right. So that was the fairy blessing. Oh, that was just a really beautiful one, the elf locks. So thank you for joining me today. I can't believe it's episode number 23. Um, Next week, I'm not sure quite yet what I'm going to talk about. But this episode, I led to the fair folk just because I've been thinking a lot about them. I've been reading a lot. I've been working a lot with um, my fae cards and all of my decks of cards. So that's why I decided to chat about that for this episode. So you can find me, of course, on Instagram at Comfy Cozy Witch. There is a Comfy Cozy Witches Facebook group you can find on Facebook. It is private. I like the groups to be private because not everybody um, is open with their practice. So you can find that on Facebook if you type in Comfy Cozy Witches. We are up to over 5,000 members, which just blows my mind because it has grown so quickly. Also, uh, you can email me at comfycozywitch at gmail.com if you have any questions or any comments. And of course, any ratings, reviews, subs- what is subscribe, subscribing to the podcast that is all greatly appreciated. And speaking of reviews, a new one came in just on Thursday from Carrie with a big A, C, big A, R, R, I, E. Carrie said, the Comfy Cozy Witch is not just any other podcast because Jenny is not just any other witch. That's really sweet, Carrie. That's so nice. Her intellect and her charm along with her beautiful voice will magically brighten your day. I thank you so much for saying that. Um, 
I'm reading the rest of your comment now. That is so sweet. Thank you. And if any of you feel so inclined to leave a comment, feel free to do that and a rating as well. So that's it for today. I hope that me rambling on and on, it seemed like on tangents about <laughs> fairies because there's so much information. Um, I hope it was helpful. But again, check out those books. Feel free to ask me any questions and I can always point you in the right direction. So until next time, everybody stay comfy, cozy, and witchy. Thank you.